and welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. Happy. And welcome to episode 139. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look. Kathy? I think, one, I think 139. Oh, I think we're at 137. Damn it. Oh, Kathy, so fired. Uh, Let me see. We are at I'm episode... So Actually, 135. 135. We're at episode 135. Hey, hey, hitting B-E. How are you? So, 135. He's on top of this. <laughs> Somebody's got to be because we're not. Yeah, it's good that somebody's out there paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode, guys. It's less work. Um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, the cancellation of Guild Ball, uh, show off some product, show off some cool painting, show off some models, talk about tokens in the game, because uh, that was by like the coolest thing that has ever happened to this podcast. We had our topic on Monday instead of 45 minutes before the show started. <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about. Center me, Gonzo, please. Are you off to we the side? We had our topic so long ago, I forgot our topic in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Kathy's Thank a little bit more you. centered. You're Kathy welcome. Kathy knows why I forgot about it. Kathy, you, you, uh, sometime Wednesday night. Probably because you've been drinking. I was actually, yeah, we were talking about it on the other cast, too. That's <laughs> sort of why. Because, they, you know. they, they just took my topic and ran with it. And I'm okay with that because we're all friends. Talk about it again. It's all good. Oh. Exactly. Drink update. So, um, let's go ahead and start off. Uh, John, what are you going to drink tonight? Uh, I am finishing off of this uh, Dr. Pepper mixed with Fireball Whiskey, but when I'm done, I have this very wonderful, formerly uh, full bottle of peach brandy that I started Wednesday night, and don't judge me, that uh, I will be <laughs> drinking from. So Not yummy, directly from I the gather. bottle. Oh yeah, it's very yummy. <laughs> Kathy, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking rum and coke. Oh! oh! Everybody, see, should have been placing bets because why are you drinking rum and coke today? It's rum day. Yeah, it is rum day. Um, today, um, so to celebrate that, I have to go back to work next week. I'm drinking some sort of liege. I have about half a bottle left uh, from last year's Warfare Weekend, so I figured it would be a good thing to uh, bring that out and have a few swigs. Um, anyone wonders why I'm not drinking rum and coke, because I've had multiple rum and cokes already today. <laughs> multiple. Multiple multiples. Not quite double digits. <laughs> so glad I didn't Wait, bet. Jenner's just glad he didn't bet. Because you were all spoilers. She's having gin and tonic, and I was like... Or am I? Dun, 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 no, he missed dun. the part before we started broadcasting where you said what you were drinking. Yeah. I feel pretty good about that, though, because no one else should have heard that. <laughs> Indeed, if they did hear it, I'm a little worried. Yes. In any case, I don't... Do we have any... I don't think we have any besides, you know, our own people. Um, we want to say, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching for every platform that you listen or watch on. Uh, it helps us in any way possible. Um, if you follow us on Patreon, thank you. It helps us support and take care of all the bills that we have uh, to keep this running and going. Um, 
we want to thank everybody, and I mean everybody, uh, for uh, listening. It means a lot to us. It, it still surprises me whenever someone comes up to me and goes, hey, you're so-and-so with, you know, the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I listen. I've had some people come up to me. I have had more than one person say you're so-and-so from such-and-such podcast. Yeah. It's, it just kind of, you know, gets so crazy. Uh, I've actually had people... Eight months or so. I actually, yeah, yeah, that's true. I have had people come up and ask me uh, when I've been playing ESO. That's what you know I do for fun, and I just have a podcast. And they're like, "Oh, what?" And I send and I direct them straight to you, Kathy, uh, to for a painting because I have a guy that's like wants to learn how to paint miniatures. And I'm like, "Go watch Kathy. Um, she streams on during this time, this time." So there's a lot of people. It's it just it, it it's still kind of cool that uh, people tell me that. So uh, we want to say. Please watch after each other. Please be nice. Be kind. Wear a mask. If you see something, say something. Um, and be safe, guys. From all of us, all of y'all, cheers. Cheers. Did you already do sponsors? Don't do Not that. Not yet. No, John's going to do sponsors while I flip over. Uh, really? <laughs> Sure, oh, I want to thank Dan really well, from John. Tectonograph Studios. He makes very cool MDF terrain and base toppers and stuff. Check him out online. He's got a lot of cool stuff. I'm sure we've got a giveaway to get at some point for him. Um, I want to thank Muse on Minis for uh, hosting us. That is really helpful. Let's get to a lot of uh, other people we would normally not get to reach. Uh, I want to thank Metalhead Minis uh, for hosting our stuff. And Lynn is super cool anyways, and she's got a cool stuff. She's actually hosting currently, I don't know how many there are left, but I'm going to check with Gonzo on that, the dice from Warfare Weekend. Uh, and pins. It was super awesome. She's got a great setup. It, it texted me tracking and everything. Did you get your uh, stuff, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, it's over on the table. Oh, sweet. I didn't know that everybody was starting getting their stuff yet. Yeah, I, I ordered immediately. Like when you mentioned, I ordered immediately. So, immediately. Uh, but yeah, it was super cool. I was very pleased. It's probably one of the best web purchasing experiences recently. And I'm not just saying that because she's a sponsor. I mean it. Yeah. Uh, if you guys know me, you know I, mean. I want to thank Creature, Creature Creator for sponsoring us as well. Those guys have a lot of cool stuff. Check out their website as well for cool models. Creature Caster. We are um, a Creature Creator. Creature yep. Caster. Very good. I blame the rum. I blame the rum. I will accept that answer, but I'm here to say Creature Caster. There you go. Um, I, I didn't even know if everybody was receiving their stuff yet for uh, from Warfare yeah. Weekend, which is good, because I'm glad that everybody's starting to get it, because we had a little delay in shipment on that. Um, hopefully the dice are really cool. What dice did you get, by the way? Uh, all, all of them? Of them? <laughs> I didn't know if you bought like the VIG stuff, too. We did mention that I am a dice whore, right? Yes, we did mention that you're a dice uh, whore. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to show something. I'm trying to look over at my camera when I should look at this camera instead. Um, Hold on. More dice. More dice. And you know what else? More dice. More dice. <laughs> I, I packaged all those dice up, so that uh, is all done by hand. Check Gonzo by me. on it? It has Gonzo DNA on it. <laughs> what, did you lick them? Oh. Even better. It just goes through all the dice. Licks. Licks every single one of them, Licks. puts it in there. <laughs> so, uh, as everybody knows, I've been putting together some Gundam models, which I'm having a great time putting them together. They're really fun. I can do it while I'm watching TV. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of time. 
And so I was like, oh, well, you know, I bought this Gundam model off of Amazon. And, of course, there was like, hey, you might like this. And so I bought this thing. This thing right here was $10. This little case, these clippers, has two different type of um, emery board type things. Like, this one's really soft. And it's got, you know, three different textures on it. You know, like a nice. small, smoother, and then really, really smooth. And then it's got a really, really rough one. Uh, that one's like really, really super rough. And then there's this one. Two sets of tweezers. A metal file. Uh, an X-Acto knife with uh, extra blades. Uh, it's all great if you don't already have like eight of everything of that. Correct. But I thought it was very interesting. So like This was $10. And these clippers are amazing, by the way. They're flat-sided. Best reason to buy them if they're if they're good snips. Then yeah. yeah. Um, it was and on Amazon. Most most miniature gamers don't necessarily own emery boards or anything like that. Yeah. Emery boards are are amazing for plastic, for resin, for rustic, for vinyl. They're yeah. especially good for those those sort of, you know, like the Song of Ice and Fire models yep. or Reaper Bone stuff. They're better than using trying to use files and hobby knives on um, mold lines on those. I mean, if you care about that sort of we thing. Put the, um, uh, I, I also suggest the uh, drywall uh, sanders. They're very good for a lot of the softer stuff. Like if you got putty, you want to flatten out or anything like that. This was the one. Amazon hey, link to it. There is an Amazon link for it. It was only 10 bucks, which I was really, really surprised for 10 bucks this was super legit so i just wanted to show that off because that was really cool um i did put together this gundam model and it's technically not a gundam but it is belong to a different thing and uh he came out really cool stands really neat he's got guns and swords and all this other stuff but i got the panel lining accent color and so i was going to boop, do this because I was talking to Banyan, messaged him, and said, Hey, I got this. I thought this was really cool. Figured, you know, I could put some. Oh, did I leave my glasses? Oh, some bitch. Oh, well, I have to try to do it without my glasses on. Then I'll have to do it. We start doing a thing. But this panel lining is super, super cool. Um, I really like it. You just dip it in, pull it out. I kind of rub a little bit off, and then you just go touch touch and done so we're not doing phrasing tonight and, and I, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying just oh, no. saying you saw my face right yeah <laughs> but i was really impressed with how quickly this fills in and how quickly <laughs> it will change the look of your model in like a heartbeat um, and all it is, you touch it in there and the capillary action just takes over. And I was like, this is super legit. I was like, I could get used to this. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, I was, I was really surprised. Hello, Parm and hey, Phoenix paper. So I, I I'm actually going to see if I experiment with this a little bit more on like regular models. than they, just they have Gundam. a pen like that too. So you don't have to keep dipping it. You fill the pen and you uh -huh. touch the pen to it. Um, I saw that advertised. I don't remember. I'll see if I can find a link later. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I just tested it out. I, I was working on my other model 
with it. My uh, the the first Gundam that we did with um, Nessie, and I just did like the quick arms and shoulders and a little bit. And he told me about how to make how to get rid of uh, splotch if you mess up um, and such. And so I've got to try that out. Um, but I was really super impressed on how just this little quick thing right here can change the way your models look. Um, I also tried it a little bit on this little top area right here. Uh, it's really hard to see, but I did like a shading type thing with it, so it kind of darkened that area. But it was just yeah, we learned that from not only those models, but a lot of guys who do a little work on action figures. Because you have mm -hmm. action figure, they're usually pretty good nowadays, depending on the price you paid. But if you do a little work on them, and they can be amazing, even if it's just you know you you, you put the stuff on, then you, you wipe off the biggest area like with a like an oil or something. Yep. Uh, that does a great job in some models. I have some I might want to try something on because some of them parts are a little plain, but you know. There's no we'll reason those aren't gonna work on uh, on gaming models. You know? No, yeah, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't either. It was just. It was like, I'm going to test it out and see if it's, you know, a new technique to use, you know, instead of doing something else. Especially if I want to get, like, really fine detail. It's one of those things that, for whatever reason, nobody thought to produce for for miniature painting lines. But scale modelers have been using it forever. In a lot of ways, the miniature gamers are a little behind uh, in technology to scale modelers, which is surprising, considering how much money there is in miniature gaming. Well, scale models are are more broadly accepted across. Okay, they're less uh, nerdy. slightly less nerdy. Slightly less nerdy. Nerds than start saying calling them the nerds and you know, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everyone's nerdy about something. You're not just, nerdy about something. You are living below, in terrible. Just uh, model railroaders in nerdiness. Well, those guys are outright crazy. Holy crap. <laughs> Okay, so I went and picked up Miles and Gwen, and this is Miles and Gwen. That's it. Yeah. Tiny great people full of pieces. Not many pieces. Uh, Miles is actually technically three pieces with a hand on the... Uh, is this Marvel Crisis Protocol? Yes. Yeah. And then Gwen Stacy is, you know, the body's uh, torso split in half, uh, leg, two arms, and the head. Really simple uh, models this time. Uh, there is a tactical rock on Gwen Stacy, which I'm not, like, super happy about, but she is Funny, on there. I, I haven't seen the actual one. The one uh, Mizzy sent me, I got the Mizzy sent me, actually has her off of a trash can. Yeah, the the someone had modded that one. She has ghost spider. Yeah, ghost spider. spider She's technically on a piece of debris with like a girder sticking out of it. I'm not too happy Which about it. Which means it's okay because it's actually got some appropriate debris. So. You know, I don't generally rage unless it's just a fucking rock. Unless it's just a fucking That's rock. That's what John gets angry, you know. So for some things, you're cool. But for like Wolverine or Sabretooth, John gets fucking pissed because look, it's just a fucking rock. Let's put a rock on the base. That's great, right? No. No, it's not fucking great. It's fucking stupid. So, we'll put these together. But before we get started, before we get into this cool thing, there was some big news in the gaming industry Monday. Um, and, of course... Uh, God, was it only Monday? I think it was. I feel like it was a lot longer ago. 
Yeah. It was Monday. Yeah. It was Monday. And, um, of course, John immediately gets it all before us because he's, like, super glued to the world of uh, miniatures and all that good stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Guild Ball is officially canceled. Um, which is not a surprise by anybody or any means. It's not a super surprise. It's a, it's a little bit. I mean, we thought they were doing okay, but, I mean, the, if any miniature company folds or stops producing something during these times, I'm not going to be surprised, really. Yeah. I think more of a letdown is probably the better way to say. Well, so if anybody that hadn't read it or whatever, because they put out a big old, like, press release... And one of the things that I thought was very interesting about the article is they kind of blamed the community for it. On which top is of, a bold move. Yeah. Oh. Um, which I thought it's was your a... your fault for failing. It's your fault. Because they uh, blamed the competitive community for it. And to be fair, the competitive community... Say that three times fast. Jesus is generally at fault for a lot of things, but you can't blame them because if the competitive community takes over a game, it's because you have fucking let them. If hashtag privateer press. Also, if you as a business know that the competitive community <clears throat> is 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 your primary, you know, people who buy and play the game, maybe you need to be willing to adapt your business model to you know cater to that mm -hmm. i don't know it's not like these are all just businesses where you just do what you want it's going to be all good you really have to adapt these businesses to what your audience is mm -hmm. you know everyone's like why doesn't gw cater to the competitive player because they fucking know the competitive player is not their main meat and potatoes it's the guy playing in their basement for fucking fun which is why their games are always more about getting your models on the table and playing and less about being super-duper rules-tight. But they're also willing to go and, you know, modify certain things so that they can be played in the tournament setting. Yes, that's new, relatively new. Yes, game. yeah. They're willing to go that extra mile now and make it uh, friendly to the competitive, competitive-friendly. But they, they found that balance that all games need to find. And well, I don't feel generally, like... businesses that do well are businesses that know how to adapt. And if you're not willing to adapt, you cannot figure out how to adapt, then, uh, bye. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to adapt, you have to see it, and you've, you've got to be agile as a business. You can't be slow. Um... Not to dig on the same company we they dig on, but uh, uh, Privateer Press had a problem where they were gaining all these players from uh, Games Workshop, but they didn't have the amount of product to keep putting out to cover it all. Thus, we got lots of shortages. They tried to address it, but by the time they actually did something about it, the pendulum had turned, people couldn't get models, so it all turned, GW was putting good stuff out again, and it all turned back. So that's why I say you got to be agile about it. You have to be able to read the writing on the wall and react quickly to it. Steamforge, at least, seems like they're reacting reasonably quickly to it. They're going sort of out on their own terms, so to speak. 
It's not like it's just fading into obscurity. It's like, we need to do this. Let's do this now. Yeah, because, I mean, when I was reading it, and so following with all the convention stuff going on and everything and them not doing Steamforge and all the other things happening within it over the last year or so, people were seeing the writing on the wall because they hadn't brought any new models out. They hadn't, you know, really done and much of anything. The last models they brought out were not not great. No. I mean, their quality was solid, but they're not miniature game solid. They're yeah. board game solid. And they weren't supporting, like, tournaments. They had pulled all their convention support for the game. Uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, it, it was there. We were seeing it. I don't know which one I want to do. I think I want to do it on that one. Um, because, you know, for Warfare Weekend, people complained that, you know, some, some people complained that there wasn't a bigger uh, Guild Ball scene at Warfare Weekend. And I says, well, we got everybody we could and got enough people. Just people didn't come out for it. And well, now, we, yeah, there's, there's the reason why. Convention can do yeah. about that. Yeah, but it's one of those things where you know we we we've talked about the games. It looked too complicated for the average person to get into, which sort of feeds into the second part of the topic. Like you watch people playing that game, and you just see tokens everywhere and everything, and people are like, I don't know what this game is about, but I'm not going to stop long enough to find out because. It looks complicated as fuck. Miles is done, by the way. On the other hand, if you look at something like, just say, 40K, it's like, oh, there are just some guys and some dice. I can fucking play that. I don't care if there's like 50 times as many guys. Yeah, because one of the things that, you know, they were talking about that it was getting out of hand that they tried to make fun models that did fun things, but didn't work out that it, the competitive scene took over and people weren't playing it because it wasn't, you know, blah, blah, wasn't blah. Top tier. Yeah, it wasn't top See, tier. How do you make fun models that aren't, don't do amazing things? They should have learned from Blood Bowl to know how to do those. Hashtag all the goblin secret weapons. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> they were all amazing. Sometimes they will fuck you and sometimes they will fuck the enemy. But it was always a hoot to see what they did. And you could never take the game too seriously with that. And I think that's, I mean, it's a common thing. Everyone says, oh, like, let's not take games too seriously. We, we, as a people, tend to take any game too seriously. And it's just a game. And this is sort of the, the potential aftermath of those kinds of games. If you're taking it too seriously and there's not enough of you, suddenly you get, uh, you get a game going away. I mean, honestly, War Machine of Horrors is sort of facing the same thing. They've done only competitive stuff for too long, and it's hard to get people into a game. It's sort of like you can see the mirror in them, because honestly, the guys who made Steam Forged are a lot of old War Machine of Horrors guys. And, I mean, I remember when they were just on uh, on Twitch or something streaming their, you know, their games of... Uh, you know, playing online, playing on Vassal and all that, getting ready for tournaments and all, and then they eventually made uh, Guild Ball, and you can see the, uh, you can see where it comes from. You can see it roots in its rules. Yes, it's got a very solid uh, War Machine of Hordes uh, core in there, but they did a lot of good things with it. But I mean, they, unfortunately, and you wish you would have seen that they came, they fell prey to the same thing that they're, they're come, that War Machine of Hordes has fallen prey to, which is. Too much competitive, not enough casual. 
Yeah, there's... There's, there's, uh, there's a new edition of Blood Bowl coming out, too. Yep. Yeah, there's yeah. big changes, too. I haven't bought the last edition. I still have uh, the original, because I'm a classic kind of guy. Yeah, there's a new edition. I played edition in the uh, Living a Rulebook, I don't know, 6, whatever that was, before... Uh, I don't think they were trying too much. I think they were trying too much to make, like, well, we can have a skill to counter this skill. No, you actually don't. You don't get that many skills. Making counters to every skill becomes pointless and stupid. So in the new edition, they add a new stat, the passing stat. So instead of it being a skill that you, you know, like your thrower maybe starts out with or that somebody on your team, you know, buys with uh, star player points, now everybody has passed. So now you can make it so that all elf teams don't just pass on a whim because they're all fucking agility four. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good idea, actually. And uh, you can have well, teams. There's, there's a lot of people in the Blood Bowl community that think that's a, a horrible idea because now everyone has passed and wood elves aren't really that special, even though they do have the higher agility. Well, yeah, they still have higher agility. It just means it doesn't come with all... You, You've not made the team any less. You've made the stat mean differently, which means you can recost how much the dudes cost because you don't have to worry about them being all super passers because I tell you, and I've played elf teams multiple times, and, like, it is great. You're like, I, I'm just going to pass it a whim. Like, oh, you're coming up over here. Skaven are going to be awesome. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times you'd get uh, people... Uh, come in and you get, a, you get a double for a skill roll on an elf, you're like, oh, I'm gonna fucking take dump off on this guy who doesn't need it. He's gonna run with the ball. You're like, oh, I'm gonna tackle you. Dump off over to this guy. You're like, fuck. And now the ball's over there. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're making me miss Blood Bowl. I haven't played it in forever. Sorry. I mean, the elf team's not quite good enough to to be the one I would play if I had to, uh, well, if my life depended on it. it would be honestly, the team I play is Nurgle, and they're not good at anything, so... But now they can have passers, even though Nurgle's rotters probably have shitty, shitty agility. Well, they're just... They're a three. No, they're, they're not, not, they're not terrible. Fine. Until you get to the right thing, then you're like, oh, I got a guy get agility four? That's my passer. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I did end up with a with one game where all three of my Chaos Warriors and Chaos team had gotten to agility four, and one had gotten to agility five. That's amazing. Yep. I'm like, well, I think we know what's going here. It was the silliest thing ever, but... Uh, but Blood Bowl's a game that needs a little revision, but they don't want to go too far, because if you go too far, you end up with the D&D 4th Edition problem, where you've killed all the sacred cows because they needed to be killed, and then everyone's like, I bought my sacred cow! Like, you cannot make ma magic missile not auto-hit, that's against the rules! Tastes delicious with steak sauce. What? It's your sacred cow. Yes. I mean, they are delicious with steak sauce. It's, it's a gaming thing. It's why I have a problem with D&D 5th Edition. Not that it's necessarily a bad game. It's just that uh, rather than going forward, Wizards decided to go backwards. And it pissed me off. I have no problem with a first level spell being an auto hit. I didn't have a problem with it either, but I also had no problem with them not making it auto-hit when, when the game would be unbalanced by auto-hits. Ah, well, if it's unbalanced. I mean, and anyways, 
Um, but that's sort of thing you have to watch out for a game. You have to be careful. You have to not go too far. You can't. Uh, you go too far into it, you get you know problems certain games have. You know, like I said, DD Fourth Edition is probably the basic biggest example of doing too much innovation. Um, you innovated so much that the core players were like, I'm going to go play this thing that's really similar to the older game instead because I don't want to learn a new thing. Uh Because people have told me it's terrible, so I'm going to believe it's terrible. It's terrible. I never had a chance to play 4th. It's super fun. I went from playing 3.5 with one group to joining a different group that played 5, and that was that. Ah! Almost ripped my Did head you off. Stab yourself? No, I just went to stand up and almost yanked my head back because headphones were. Careful with Gamora's rock gun, though. Mine broke randomly. Oh yeah. Says Captain Mizzy. Indeed. <clears throat> so, I guess the long and short of it is not a super surprise. It's ending. They can blame the community all they want, but they are culpable. Yeah, I mean, because you can, you can make fun stuff that are still competitive. You can. It requires a lot more design, but hey, I mean, it yeah. is what it is. But the point is, is that you can't blame the community that was keeping your game going for your, for ruining your game, when you sort of catered to them and I don't want to say forced out, but made it more desirable for those guys to play rather than the casual guys. Not to mention the fact that uh, um, they the updates they're putting out, while super duper cool, came out really, really too frequently. There, there was a lot of changes to that game, yeah. You know, I think uh, the, that's sort of the thing that War Machine and Horde is learning now, is they've slowed down their cycle because it's just too many changes too quickly and people are just like nope that's too much for you to keep track of it's like a job fuck it i'm out at some point you want to be able to come back in and go oh i only got to read a quick faq with a handful of things that have changed that's fine no worries there you know you know i'm familiar with this edition oh cool let's just read the new faq because i've been out for you know a year oh cool not like oh there's a whole new season and some of the models i loved have changed and what's going on and even if it's not a big change if it's the perception of a big change. Well, I mean, that game had a lot of change because I remember I got out and I didn't play it for a little bit because other things going on, but it was like, oh, now we're using cards for stuff. And now we're using, okay, this model doesn't do anything like I thought it was going to be doing. It was, it was, they had a lot of changes. Yeah. And you can't do that. I mean, you, you can, but the majority of your player base has to be on with that. Or it has to be... The best thing to do is do seasons where, you know, like for the league or competitive or whatever it is, they use different stats and rules, but the average game can still be with the regular stats. Don't just make something obsolete. Make different versions for a temporary time. That's a much better way to do it. You know, you can get uh, you can get much more interesting gameplay there and not sort of upset the normal balance. You're not changing the whole rules. You're not like a guy's coming to play a pickup game and like, what are you talking about all this stuff? The guy's like, oh, we're just playing a pickup game. I don't use the campaign slash, you know, event rules for this. I use the standard rules. 
and the guys who are willing to play in the events are willing to learn both rules. They'll be fine. It's just a thing. They're willing to go back and forth. But if you change everything and this is the new way going forward, that's when you come into the problems of getting the, the man on the street out of your game. And that is the biggest mistake you could make. So people still fucking play Monopoly. Because, I mean, Monopoly's Monopoly. I'm sure there's a million house rules, but at the end of the day, it all works the fucking same, really. <laughs> ah! Tiny, tiny part, big fingers. It's actually kind of amusing watching you do that. Monopoly ends relationships. True story. No, it's called diplomacy. Yes. Oh, yeah, diplomacy. <laughs> I played sure. diplomacy. <laughs> diplomacy is at the top of the... Actually, not just really... Well, relationships, but friendships. Uh, yeah. Destroy I mean, friendships. That's the worst. I'll ask Kathy, how many times do you have someone reading the orders and saying, someone goes, I go into here with support from so-and-so, and you're sitting in the back going, you think you know so. you did not support so-and-so. Uh, uh, how many uh, times before that because it's not funny? So, my friend Robin, when she goes to Gen Con, plays diplomacy with strangers there. In, she in like, huh? Does she go armed? Because I would probably shank a motherfucker. And she's like a short, petite woman. And I'm like, how do you survive? So I would never do that particular brand of diplomacy. You know, the fucking people over version with random people. You have to be more calculating. With the people you know and you see every week, it is much more amusing. Just go like, oh, I'm just going to straight fuck you uh, because I feel like it. I have You're winning the game and I'm not going to let They haven't played diplomacy in over 20 years and they still talk about this one game of diplomacy like over 20 years ago that they played they're like remember that time and I'm like oh god not this again are you uh, fucked me they still are like I mean they're all friends still but they still are like it's like it did something to them mentally <laughs> oh. let me ask you does everyone who's got a box of diplomacy have a bottle of uh, aspirin or ibuprofen in it yeah, they're taking the grudge to the grave farm, exactly. Because everyone locally, if their box of Mosey comes to the box of ibuprofen or aspirin in it. I know like, that uh, I've lost a friendship over uh, Risk before. Really? Yep. I have a spoiler for you, Gonzo. That was not your friend. Yeah. I've had friends fuck me super hard in games. I'm like, I hate you but only until we're done with this game. Then, being a adult human being, I'm going to get over it and get on with my fucking life. Yeah. I mean, you might bring it up in conversation like 25 years later, but you'll oh. still be friends. Oh, no, no. It, it literally, I uh, was playing a game of Risk, and the guy goes, hey, don't touch me for five, you know, I'll make a deal with you. Don't touch me for five turns. We go after the so on and so forth, and then we can, then we'll go after each other. And I'm like, okay. So I waited the five turns, and then I just bowled him over because he left his back end open for me, and I just ran him over and kicked his ass and the other guy's ass and won the game, and he was like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, no, dude. Thing was, we don't touch each other for five turns, and, well, you left it all open. So You can't leave yourself that open, you yeah. know? 
it's 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 still a game about winning. I mean, yeah. you could say that it's a gentleman's agreement, but it ain't always a gentleman's game. So, but yeah. But I, I thought it was kind of shady. Of that, he needs help. Go back, go back to the quick topic of that. I thought it was kind of shady for them to blame the players. Um, yeah, not a good idea. Yeah, um, makes me evaluate whether I want to buy any more products from them. Because yeah. what are they going to say? Because they have their new game, which is what God God tier. God tier. What happens if that turns competitive? Is are that they going another to... one where they're catering <clears throat> to only casuals and the? Uh... And the the competitive scene is going to ruin it all again. I don't know. For them, it's more of a board game ish, isn't it? I yeah. haven't really given a shit about it. Pardon my French. If pardon my French for that one, not all the F bombs. Sorry. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but still. What happened? I mean, because anything, <coughs> as we know, anything can be competitive. Yeah, you can play anything competitive, and that's sort yeah. of the thing is you want to make. You want to make the game that's got that balance of competitive and casual. Yeah. It's easier to take a competitive, a non-competitive game, you know, have it out of the box, be super fun and friendly, and then make your competitive packet so that you can play a more competitive game. Sort of like a GW or the guys who make GW tournament rules rather than a, say, Privateer Pest where out of the box it's not playable at all. And you require an add-on pack to make it actually playable. You know. So, Legionnaire says, I think God Tier is a MOBA, so it was a hard pass for him. It, it, it kind of is work as a MOBA. I will can you explain to me what is a MOBA? Um, I, I can't understand that. I don't know what that means. There's a set objectives to do while you're playing, and you get certain things to do certain things. Um, and it's played on a board, usually a hex grid or something like that. Uh, very... Um, go acclaim this objective to give you bonuses while you defeat your opponent, because defeating your opponent in combat isn't the main objective of the game. Doing the objectives in the game... Like claim this thing, get rid of this thing, so on and so forth, is more of a bonus to you to do. And I like that from a from a theoretical standpoint. It's a very cool idea. I like to have less just kill each other and more actual objectives involved. Correct. That's what I like too. I like there to be a I like there to be a reason why my guys are on the table and and that reason causes me to strategize more instead of just charge forward with everything and kill the other guy's guys. Yeah, no, I haven't seen the new 40k one. The old 40k had a lot of objective cards, and it'd be like, hold this objective, sometimes hold this objective for two turns, and you can narrate that, like, I gotta hold this objective so that, you know, some guys sneaking by have my cover while they get by to go do something important. You know, I'm covering for the 30 dozen going off to do their thing. Or you can do the thing like uh, like Jim did with his friend, where they basically created scenarios in a whole campaign where different objectives that you got were like these random things, like uh, weapons upgrades or armor upgrades or 
you know, drugs that will give you a bonus to whatever. And you don't know what they are. They're just random things. But you hold that, and then after it's all over, then you get to look at it and see what you have, and you carry that over into your next game. Mm-hmm. Which I just I thought that was really cool, and I don't know why more games don't, don't lo- do things like that. A lot of games do. They're called campaign play. But a mm-hmm. lot of people don't like to do campaign play. And it also takes someone play, to do it. You can have that in a one-off game. You just don't get the bonuses. Yeah. You know, it's you're just adding a reason to play game after game after game with the same people to it, which is good. I but can honestly, circle back to Blood Bowl and uh, be like, that's why I like seasons of Blood Bowl uh, rather than one-off <clears> game. A one-off game is fine of Blood Bowl, but it ain't where it at where it's at. Right. Yeah. They're, they're fun, but I like the idea of being able to build up your you know, your team or build up your army or build up your war band or, you know, whatever you're playing. I think the whole personal mental narrative of a game has gone away, and I think, not to be too harsh, but maybe too harsh, I think games that are ultra-competitive have taken it away. Because now you're just competing over an area, but you're not thinking on why. It's because it is. You know, like I said, if you have an objective to take in, say, 40K, you take the objective because you're covering fire or whatever. It's also good to remember, like, we take turns as this and this and this. It could be, like, you know, an hour or two guys to move in position and fire and everything. We, we think of it as immediate. There's no set time frame for that. And I think actually bringing some of that imagination back in to the game would be a good job. You know, uh, I want to think if I ever get a chance to play an in-person game again, something like that, <laughs> I would like to, to see if that helps a lot with some of those games. Like, Marvel Crisis Protocol and does it pretty well, and so does uh, Fantasy Flight stuff. Obviously, the same overall core company because it has an objective. It's like you need to find the scroll imposter. So you walk up to civilian markers and you go like, "Is this a scroll imposter?" Nope. Let me go try someone else. So that's super cool. You know, you, you've got your narrative there. It's very comic booky. Uh, I like the way that works. You know, or Legion, you've got the you've got to sabotage these moisture vibrators or get these control councils and do something. Hell, not only is that super cool and very Star Warsy, it was fucking the point of part of Rogue One. Poor Chirrut had to go and flip that switch, and then he died. Didn't he? Died. Yeah, I the, I like narrative play, um, but it also takes someone to run the narrative play. You always have to have somebody that is going to, you know, do the narrative play, per se. Mm-hmm. I've done, a, I did a, a very long-running Necromunda campaign for my guys at Games Workshop when I was working there with them, yep. um, where we would run, and I would run stupid scenarios and all at a moment's notice. Every Friday, you guys would play after work. They'd have, you know, standard games, more or less, maybe some events. I'd post a little newsletter up on the board. This maybe some events or something they got to watch out for. Then on Fridays, I'd run big mega battles with actual, you know, uh, objectives they had to conf- had to do to get more stuff. And sometimes they'd catch me on a Saturday and be like, "We want to run a cool camp, a rule, a cool game, John. Make something up for us." And I'd run something up, you know, depending on what terrain we had available. There was one where the only terrain we had was an open field for 40k with like mostly the crash wreckage of one of their Forge World bombers. Like they'd gotten one of those miscasts, so they busted it apart and made terrain out of it. So I'm like, well, you guys are going to scavenge for weapons, you know? So they go around, they're, they're fighting over it, and they're scavenging for weapons. 
and you know they get some weapons and they would roll to see how good the weapon is and in one case uh the jason running his escher gang went to the tail of it and it's like i scavenged something and they rolled like boxcars like it's a 12 i'm like oh that's awesome uh, what was the tail of that particular gun oh assault cannon very good your escher now have an assault cannon it'll cost you x money to get it working and then you can put it on a heavy like you would any other heavy weapon and it was super cool uh, Daisy and her cutter was uh, a long-standing person in the air. You know, it's fun stuff like that. It makes a game super fun. And I feel like we can do that. We were actually getting ready to do that with Star Wars Legion, but uh, fucking COVID. Yeah. But, you know, now's the time to start working on that, start thinking about that. And I think we're all so spoiled by waiting for the company to do something. We're not trying to do something ourselves when we should it's okay to try and make something and have it be kind of okay. That's when your buddies come in and take what you started out with and punch it up to the next level. And then their buddies come up, maybe take it up, punch the next level. And then maybe you see something and you punch it up to the next level. It's collaborative and you get together. Face, I mean, there's so much way to communicate with everyone now. You can do all this stuff yourself. You don't have to be beholden to the company to make all the coolest campaign rules and all. You can do it. You can share it online and if you find the right people, you will get people just adding on and adding on, and suddenly you have great rules. Um, what did we want to discuss? Tokens? Yeah, we did say... I want to get on that, because we are getting into a token bloat. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Um... For games. Now, Marvel Crisis Protocol. Knockdown, Poison, Fire, Activated. What else are we talking about? Uh, objective Tokens. Carried Tokens. Yeah, well, those are still going... Like, a lot of those go on the cards. They're not the problem ones. But, okay, so what would you consider a, a problem token? Tokens on the field because everyone has to see them. That's when it can start to get a little bloaty. And I actually feel like Marvel Crisis Protocol is not there because you don't put your damage counters on the on the th on the field, generally speaking. You put them on your card so you can you can see how much damage there. You put the power on your card that you can ask you. It's when you put it all on the field, when you have a lot of it. And honestly, I think the king granddaddy of all of these is of course War Machine of Hordes. You know when it is more important because of the way that game is played, generally speaking under a time limit and competitively, to know at a moment's notice, look over, I can see you have that much focus on you or that beast has got that much fury or there's a knockdown token here, that, that, that. You don't want to have to stop and ask. In a smaller scale game, it's not as important because you can go, okay, quick question. Oh, cool, you have that. Let me do this. You know, the less models you have involved in the game, the less less problematic it is. Correct. Uh, and we're seeing a push towards that Gil more, too. Yeah. Uh, the only reason Guild Ball was a problem was not necessarily because of how many tokens were on the field, because it wasn't generally bad. It was actually the token discipline of the average person playing them. Since it's competitive and timed, they didn't want to spend a lot of time finding this shit. They just had it all this giant mess in the field that makes the game look worse. When you have your tokens off to the side in a little box or something, we do it for Legion, we do it for Armada, we do it for uh, 
Marvel Crisis Protocol, when you have them off to the side or something, it doesn't actually detract from the game, the way the game looks. It's when you put too many on there. And some of the Fantasy Flight ones, Fantasy Flight loves tokens for everything. Um, and honestly, it is, generally speaking, better than trying to use a damage grid. I mean, I like the damage grid from War Machine of Hordes. It was super cool, but it is problematic. So having another way of doing it is good. But yeah, we don't want to get too much tokens, and we're getting there. And honestly, it's part up to us to police it ourselves so that we don't get too crazy on it. And part up to God Games, let's not make it too nutty as far as how many tokens you fucking have. I agree. Uh, because, I mean, there's a lot of effects. Now, we mm -hmm. like to have effects like fire and, you know, all that type of stuff because, you know, it adds, I, I quote, realism to it, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, it's more interest, actually. Yeah. It's, it's more more effects you have, the more interesting it is. Yeah. But it's a, it's a soft level of complexity. It's not super complex, but it's enough to get you some more uh, coolness. I'm sure there's a word for it. Ristlitude, something like that. Is that right? I have no clue. But how much is going to be too much? Yeah, for Ristlitude is actually the word. Go ahead, go. Uh, yeah, that's it. Sorry, I'm not pronouncing it. The alcohol is. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, you you, you gotta you you have to decide for yourself what's too many tokens in a game. I mean, and honestly, as the additions get better, I see that they try and clean up certain amounts of tokens, and some they don't care, some they do. Um, X-wing got. A little more token heavy, but it wasn't too bad to begin with, so it's fine. The new addition, but then you know something like, um, I don't know. I think War Machine Awards got worse as the additions went on. Um, a little better for a bit actually, because they tried to make it less specific things and all more generic. You know, rather than, you know, I've got the specific blinding light effect you try to make it you know distracted or some other specific effect um malifo when they went to their most recent edition did a lot of that trying to make it less tokens and less things and more standardized if you will such so you're not you know you're not having like a million different status effects because it gets a little much there's a game that can occasionally get a little much um, but certain there are certain features that could help, like uh, stackable tokens and stuff like that. And some of it is the tokens you use. If you get tokens that clean up very well and look very good on the battlefield, holy shit, that's a lot of glue. It's not. It's going to be smushed around. I mean, it is actually a lot of glue. But was the base was the base of that not flat? I didn't like the major rock that they have underneath it. Because you're supposed to put it on this rock. Yeah, I see And that. then put it on there, and I was like, I don't like that rock, so... Oh, because it's a rock, it's not fucking debris. Yeah. If you had a bunch of, you know, debris, techie debris, fucking yeah. city-like debris, that'd be all very cool. Flavorful. Oops. But I'm going to start ranting again. <laughs> so. Yeah, so tokens can be a problem, but I think... 
I think we're sort of hitting the sweet spot with the games I've seen recently of not getting too many tokens out there. Yeah, um, so I've been, I mean, we'll be playing some tests, more test games, full test games of Warcaster. Um, and that has tokens on it too. Um, which every game has tokens. Or you're not going to get away from that for the most part. I mean, forty k. Forty k is about the only one that really doesn't have it as many. And they probably should. Yeah. Before anyone says otherwise, they probably should. There, there's so many things. I mean, you can just make your own tokens for forty k, and we did for uh, for fantasy too, just for like wound counters. And yes. All yeah, kinds like, of stuff. I saw the, the Imperial Guard player play, and he'd be like, I give these guys this order, these guys this order. I'm like, uh, so, you know, technically I have to take your word on it because you ain't putting any of this shit down. You ain't writing any of this shit down. So that's a problem, dude. Yeah, that one. Luckily, he was very good at making it. I give all of these guys this order, and these guys get a different order because they're different. And then if someone gets a second order, he puts a token next to them to go like they got a second order. You know, some reminder token. And sometimes that's enough a reminder token, but I feel like you should be having order tokens if you're guard. If you're playing guard that much, you should be having like these guys have for, for, you know, have uh, first rank, second rank. Which is And all we used fire. to do to, to make tokens was we'd go into our you know, art program you know, design our own little tokens, print them out on paper and then mount that paper onto like mat board or something. It's not our, like we went out and bought you know. anything, anything you use a hole puncher on. Yeah. Because I have big hole punchers. I use those. I made my own infinity tokens uh, for a lot of stuff. They work real well. You get those and you put little... Uh, you can also... They have little plastic dots sort of thing you put on. You can put those on the token things and then cut them out around those. So now you have fairly sturdy little tokens for whatever you need to do. Is that the color shift paint? Yeah. It needs yeah, another... Need some panel lining on that. Yeah, I was, I was like, hmm. Because I know there's going to be some parts that I'm going to paint black anywhere on this. Especially like this panel lining. These little things right here. And, you know, it's always a pain in the butt to get a brush inside of there. So, actually, I would say since you're using uh, the color shift paint, it is definitely a great idea to use that. If you were just painting it another color... That's black wash, black wash, and then go back over it with a paint. Yeah. Work. No, that actually worked pretty damn well. It does. Legionnaires is asking, would the color shift paints make good oil spills? That actually seems like a fun idea to add that little bit of iridescence to an oil spill. Like you could go in with your black, uh, maybe with some water effects mixed with black, and uh, maybe just add a nice thick dollop of your color shift and swirl it around with the tip of the brush, let it dry, then go over it again with some uh, gloss varnish. That model mm -hmm. needs a, yep. another coat of it, but... I mean, I haven't actually done that, but that's how I would try it. <laughs> that is a very solid theory, Kathy. I would say that is worth a shot. Are my eyes blurry because I've been drinking, or is this camera not fully focused? Yeah, it's probably Camera's not. not focused. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. You. <laughs> it could be me. I just realized I have to get bifocals. It, it could be both. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I I need to put another layer 
another layer on the, the models because it didn't get enough because uh, I had an accidental problem with the uh, paint bottle and so I went to do another layer on this but I was like hmm panel so lining tell us how is the uh, panel line working on that is it working well it did work really well I was really uh, I was like because I mean putting because all I'm doing so let's like, like okay there's this little bitty part right in here uh, between the two shoulder. It's kind of like the shoulder pieces. And so I'm just going to touch it in. And done. And it actually gives. Now I might. Maybe yeah. after it dries I might have to do like another, you know, dip in it and stuff. But, you know, what's really cool is even if I get it on the model, on the paint, I just wipe it off with my finger because the way the colors shift is it hides that black really well also might be worth leaving it because it since it's very watery when it dries it's going to retract yeah so i mean it did i mean like let's do it on the back of this piece right back here i love the capillary action just uh sucking that paint up into the crevices yeah it did i mean it really really well That's my description of it for those people who are, you know, listening at home and can't actually see this. I mean, it just <laughs> it immediately goes right into the crack, and that's pretty much what it is. It just stays in there, and I don't have to worry about it. I mean, the more I, the more I hold it in there, the thicker it gets in that, that crack, but, I mean, it works it's pretty legit. So. Riveting audio. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're, all, we're all just sitting here watching Gonzo. We're watching Gonzo. <laughs> Put this little bitty pin brush. Because you're still not doing phrasing. <laughs> Putting a little bitty pin brush in the little cracks of his model to see if it works. And it did. It actually. I'll, I'll test out some more. I've got, I've got, I'm waiting for some more of that paint to come in. I had to order it. And of course, it's coming through the mail. And we know how the mail is now. And um, we'll see how long it takes. But uh, this needs another coat. Um, and then I'll redo it and paint it up. And this is one, the first one I'm going to paint up after I uh, get it on there. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of small little crevices that could go in that would do really, really well, in my opinion. What time is it, by the way? Eh, it's time for media section. Time for media section. Take off those glasses. Ugh, I hate those glasses. I need to stretch the frames out. All right. Very full media section tonight. Yeah, Kathy has like seven things for once. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is the time in our podcast where we switch gears and to our media segment where we talk about movies, TV shows, books we've read, uh, YouTube channels that we're addicted to, music that we've listened to, and talk about our thoughts on the subject. Uh, I have a total of one, two, three, four, five, six things that I can talk about. I watched two movies, and I want to also talk about a, uh, a YouTube channel that I'm kind of addicted to right now. Okay. John? I have one. Oh, I didn't hear you. Sorry. Okay. Um, well, let me go with one of them, and I'm going to go with... 
one that was an old movie. Um, so I was trying to find something to watch on Netflix just because I, I needed some background noise and didn't want to watch anything serious or, you know, didn't have to pay attention to it a lot. And they've invented this thing for background noise. It's called music. Called music. <laughs> but, um, so I, I, I turned it on and turned on Netflix and of course, Night's Tale was on there. Um, <laughs> I can already see John. <laughs> Night's Tale is... Um, how can I say it? Night's Tale is a movie that is crap, but it is extremely fun because it has so, some good dialogue in it. I'm not sure it's fair to say it's crap. I don't like Night's Tale because the modern music in the middle of the setting immediately takes me out of it. Correct. And I can no longer watch it. I can't. You can't get into it. That makes a problem with me. That's a me problem. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. A, it's I a... enjoyed it a lot because once I was able to realize, okay, this movie isn't taking itself seriously. Correct. And I totally got into what they were doing. Yeah. So, I mean, on one scale, I get what John's saying. If, if you go in thinking this is going to be a good medieval story, you're going to be super disappointed. If you... It's just the disconnect. It's because... Yeah. It's like if you had a movie set in that time, but they are using modern slang. It would completely disconnect me from the movie, and I wouldn't be able to watch it. Correct. But it has some good lines in there, and some good story, and characters are great and fun to watch. Um, and, and I enjoy it. it, it, it it's, a, it's like a guilty pleasure. It's... <laughs> He, it, it, it's it's got some good stuff in it, and it's a lot of the lines, and it's a lot of the characters, um, and it's a lot of the characters that make this movie good. Um, it's about a guy that you know changes who he is to become better, and blah blah blah, and you get it, and you're like, all right, cool. Um, but I mean, Alan Tardick, and I guess how you say how you say his last name, I can't remember. Uh, and then all the other Heath Ledger and all the other characters. They have some really good, fun things to say in there, and it's just a lot of good, fun stuff. Um, and, and of course, the acting of, like, you know, I'm going to beat the shit out of you all the time and all this stuff. It's just a good, fun movie. Is it a great medieval movie? No. Is it a good, funny, comical poke and jab at itself and have a good time? Yes. So, I, I'm going to give it two ratings. As a medieval, it's a flop. Um, and I would say it would probably be like a three and a half, but as a good, correct. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But then I'm going to say that this is a great comedy and I give it like one and a half, maybe two, if that, because I mean, it has, it does have some stuff, but it does kind of get slow in a few parts. That's a bold rating. Yeah, because I like it and I think there's a lot of cool things with it. But it's a, it's a guilty pleasure. You watch it. You watch it for the lyrics. You watch it, you know, or not the lyrics, the lines. You, you watch it for, you know, the funny scenes and the actors because the actors really make this movie. Uh, if they didn't have the correct characters to play the actors to play those characters, it would have been even a bigger flop than what it was. Um, but I enjoy it. I thought it was fun. Uh, I'll watch it again as just a guilty. Put it on the background make some noise. Time and I want to see it again. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Awesome. 
So, Kathy, I uh, I watched. Uh, which do you want to talk about? Whatever. Ninja Batman, John. Sure, you're talking <laughs> about Ninja Batman. John was kind enough to send me Ninja Batman. Because everyone should see Ninja Batman. He's a real thing. Ninja is it Batman. Ba- is it Batman Ninja or Ninja Batman? It's Batman Ninja. Oh, it is Batman, Batman Ninja. <laughs> I guess I've heard John call it Ninja Batman so many times. So everyone calls it Ninja Batman. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, it's, it's officially called uh, Batman Ninja. Am I correct? Um, it's just, oh my god. <laughs> it's so ridiculous and hilarious. Um, the animation was amazing in it. It's very Japanese style. Yeah, the music was amazing in it. The story. It was amazing I, in a whole different way. I don't understand exactly what was going on. I don't think but I didn't knows. really care. <laughs> it is absolutely batshit crazy, and I it's mean that. It's so ludicrous. The the story is so ludicrous. The animation is is so amazing, and the music is fantastic. And uh, things do not make sense. Why does Robin show up with the fucking monkey? They don't explain it. No one apparently which, fucking cares. Such a, like, <laughs> what was it? Was it Speed Racer where they had the little monkey mm-hmm. guy? Yep. That's that's what it reminded me oh. of. Legionnaire's Ninja Scroll is downright perfectly sane and operating a normal 9-to-5 desk job in comparison. Oh, uh, Joker? I mean, I, I, the first time I saw Joker, I was like, that would be an awesome miniature. And then everybody else, I'm like, that would be an awesome... Someone has to make miniatures of this. There's a card game, apparently. That I can believe. I absolutely can believe that, because when the, uh... Am I spoiling anything if I no, talk about the giant it's robot good. castles? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking awesome. So the whole oh. time that Gorilla Grodd machine goes off and sends everyone back to feudal Japan. And they're all taking over, so each one of the major cr- criminals has their own, takes over a part of Japan and has their own castle and everything. And at the end, they have all their castles are like moving fortresses. And then then they become giant robots and then then they Voltron into one giant robot because Joker is controlling them all. I could fight. So they have to. It's like, oh my god, it's like Voltron. It is. And then what Batman and crew do to defeat it is even more batshit crazy. <laughs> it defies description. Like, you, you, sh- you should see it. I wish it was available streaming somewhere. It is not. Um, right now, I'm generally finding eBay copies for about nine or it's, ten bucks ship. You can uh, you can rent it on on uh, YouTube, I think. I think that's because my friend found it. Oh, did they? Let's let's uh. And was was let's also watching out. it. Try. Yep, you can buy or rent it on YouTube, apparently. Let's see what the price looks like. Mm-hmm. It is four dollars to rent or fifteen dollars to buy. 
I would probably suggest the rental. That is probably good enough. Um, that's it's much better, much better use of your money than buying it. You will watch it. You may watch it twice. You may choose Sanity instead. Because it is absolutely ludicrous and nuts. Yeah. And the thing is, it doesn't do that thing, like, like Nice Tale, you know, it does that thing that makes it sort of not fit with the music. The music is all, like, sort of feudal Japanese sort of inspired. They did a good job with that, and... and, and each part of it, each chapter sort of it has a slightly different animation style, which is really cool. And the story starts off okay enough, and it just gets more and more crazy as it goes on. It and just piles on top of itself. Castles turn into robots, turn into Voltron, and you're like, the fuck just happened? <laughs> you do not understand. I was like, I am so sorry. It is... It needs to be experienced. If you can see it, see it. It is... It's well worth the $4 rental on YouTube if you get a buddy over or, uh, don't subject it to a loved one unless they are ready for it because that's not nice um man yeah it's it's nuts Kathy how many space herpes do you give it um I really wish I was doing shots of Kraken <laughs> yes this is definitely one that should be on the shots of Kraken scale instead uh, we, we watched it uh, with uh, Alex and Anna, and we did it with uh, oh ninety nine cents run on Amazon. That's not oh, bad. Sweet. Lots of rent it then. Well worth it. Uh, uh, I would go three because no, I would go four. <laughs> I would go four. Yeah. I would never claim that it is a good uh-uh. movie. But it. it must be experienced. Unlike all the other bad movies, you're one like, this is sort of like Turkish Star Wars. Like, yeah, it's bad. But you got to see this. Maybe <laughs> if you watched it with the sound off? <laughs> no. They need to at least be pretending to explain the fuck is going on on the screen. If you watch it while stoned, you'll be like, what? But you won't care. <laughs> oh, I would not suggest actually... Yeah, let me tell you what, do not get stoned to watch this. It's no. No. Nuts. It would be nuts. Animation is good, music uh, is good. On Canadian Netflix. Well there you go. If you're in Can if you're in Canada, it's on Netflix and well worth a Netflix watch. Um, I guess I can go with one since you only have technically one, John. Um I watched the entire season two seasons of Doom Patrol. On HBO Max. This is one of the best superhero show teams that nobody's watching. If you aren't watching Doom Patrol on HBO Max, you are missing an amazing TV show. Um, Selling it pretty hard. It's really... I, I, and I, I was... It's weird. Don't get me wrong. If you know Doom Patrol, this is out there. And this is weird. And this is crazy. But it is an amazing show. I really, really loved it. Um, there are a couple of episodes that, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say slow it down, but kind of drags it on. Um, but overall, season one, season two, binge the whole thing as much as I could. Uh, there are some long episodes, but it is really freaking good. I really liked all the actors. 
Um, the story's really nice. Uh, and they don't let, you know, one character take over all the time. Um, and they hit a, each, ep certain episodes concentrate on a character uh, a little bit more than the others. But everybody has a chance to shine in this. Uh, no one takes over anybody in this series. Um, <laughs> I, Captain Mizzy watched the first episode and she's already just, you know, I've got to see more. Because there's so much crazy shit in the show. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It hits on a lot of good subjects. It talks about a lot of cool things. Um, it's got a really good world, really good history. Um, I really, really like this. I hope they get a season three. Um, we're, of course, waiting on the COVID crap um, to see if we get a season three because it does kind of leave off a cliffhanger. Um, but I really like this. I'm, I'm pushing probably like a half to one space RP. Um, this show's not going to be for everybody, of course, because it goes way off the rails on certain things. Yeah, it's supposed to be weird and wacky and yeah. a bit out there. But it goes wacky enough that it doesn't ruin it and gets serious enough, serious enough that it doesn't ruin it. It's just that right amount of twist. And you're like, oh, this is really freaking cool, and then some weird shit happens, and you're like, that's fucking funny. And then it gets back into being a good, serious, you know comic book story but it doesn't pull punches there's of course nudity cussing all through it you know it, it's 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 not you know your kids superhero show but i'm really digging it um i'm really digging the characters they've got a lot of good personality um jane is one of my favorite because i mean she's a superhero that has 63 multiple personalities with 63 superpowers and they delve kind of big into that um, I like all the actors anyway. They've all got some really good uh, people to do their parts. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you got HBO Max, start watching it. It's super good in my opinion. I can't wait for season three. Um, I want more. More, 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 more. So, highly, highly recommend it. John, why don't you go with one of yours? Your, your one. My one? Well, uh... Since Banyan found it uh, on Amazon Prime and was really interested in watching it, and he made dinner last night, uh, we watched uh, Homefront, which is a Jason Statham movie that's been sort of on my radar for a while, but the DVD's never gotten cheap enough that I purchased it. Uh, we rented it on Amazon for whatever, four bucks, three bucks, whatever it was. And uh, boy, it is a very average action movie. Uh, you know, Jason Statham plays a... Uh, starts off with him as an undercover uh, DEA agent. And, of course, things go bad when he busts the bad guy. And the guy, bad main guy, bad guy's son dies. And he gets pissed off because, you know, they shot the kid, like, 27 times. Because he's going for his... Going for something in his jacket. And, boy, they shot the fuck out of him. You'd think it was modern police. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so then he goes and he's going to a little town with his daughter. His wife apparently has passed. They're living in uh, East Bumfuck, Louisiana. And she's going to local school. And everything starts because she gets in a fight with uh, one of the local boys who's a bully. And she punches him in the nose and breaks it because he's taught her how to fight. The bully was being a bully. And it all escalates from there because the kid's parents are pieces of shit. And then it, the, the story sort of comes in when the mother, who's the biggest piece of shit, uh, asks her brother to get involved and sort of fuck with him. And her brother 
brother sort of breaks into his house and finds the files he has sitting there, you know, all total files of him being an undercover DEA agent. You leave those hanging out in your basement, right? Yeah, you yeah. just do that. Yeah, absolutely. No lockbox or anything. Just, just easy to find. Yeah. So he finds that, figures out what happens, and is just going to get, uh, going to get, uh, going to get some deal with the main biker dude whose son was killed, uh, because they're all meth dealers, and uh, he's going to give him Jason Statham as a gift. And they come for Jason Statham, and he whoops their asses, because so Jason Statham does. That's about the summary of the movie. It is <laughs> solid action, because it's Jason Statham. Um, I would say the biggest, biggest problem with this movie is that it's apparently based off a book. I bet the book goes into a lot more detail, because a lot of plot lines are started and not done, or started and go through really <laughs> fast. You know, he sort of makes up with the family part of the way through, but there's a lot of stuff that's just weird. It's like, they made a lot of scenes, but they don't all go together super well. I feel like there may be a three-hour cut of this movie somewhere, and they realize, we're not, we can't do all this. This is just a Jason Statham movie, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, James Franco plays the main bad guy meth dealer, and, I mean, sure, he's a good actor, and he acts crazy and mean, and... There's no way you would ever think he would do a bunch of shit in a fight versus Jason Statham, and lo and behold, he does not. Uh, criminal underuse of Winona Ryder as like one of uh, James Franco's uh, hench girls. Like I didn't even realize it was realize it was her until he paused. I'm like Winona Ryder, holy shit! And then extra criminal underuse of Clancy Brown as the sheriff who gets almost nothing to do. Which is too bad, because I love Clancy Brown, and he should have been in it more. But it's uh, it's a skip. If you guys find it for free, watch it. Otherwise, it's a two-and-a-half Space Herpy average action movie. Um, he's made a ton better. He's made a couple worse. It's just not really worth your fucking time. <laughs> um, I did watch a newer movie. Uh, it was on Stars. Uh, it came out in the theaters in March. But then, of course, you know, COVID so on and so forth. Never really went to the theaters, if you think about it. Uh, and that is a superhero movie called Bloodshot, uh, starring Vin Diesel. Uh, it's based off of the Valiant comic book, uh, which... Do what? Loosely. Very loosely. Uh, now, I have to admit... How loose you're thinking, loosen it up a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I do have a few Bloodshot comics. I did read them back when they first started. Uh, when Valiant first came out, uh, wasn't a bad bad comic. Didn't have any issues with it. Um, it, was it was a comic. It was yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was just okay. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Um, and then I saw that they were doing this movie, and I was like, okay, I could see Bloodshot being in you know being a comic book movie. Um, supposedly, this was the start of the Valiant uh, cinematic universe. There you go. <laughs> because this movie was crap. Yeah, um, I, I've had a review from one of the guys uh, in the Junk Food Cinema uh, Facebook group there because he's been doing, reviewing a lot of stuff. And I'm like, oh, let me know how that is because I want to see if it's my kind of junk food because we're okay with junk food movies. Yeah, it was bad. Um, special effects were fine. No problem with special effects. The way it was filmed was a problem. There was way too much like color filters. Like... Some of the fight scenes, like, everything was filmed behind, in front of a giant red light bulb type thing. So everything was covered in red. And it was just really hard to see and watch. 
Uh, bloodshot, that's thematic. Yeah, it was not. The story was horrible. Um, special, the, 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 you, it didn't even feel like a superhero type movie or a comic book movie at all. It was very much, let's let Vin Diesel beat the shit out of a bunch of people and let's just do it over and over. You saw the plot coming from a mile away. I it, hear he wasn't even good in it. I hear that the supporting cast was way better than him. Yeah, it was, it was not good all the way around. Uh, it's not pushing, you know, cats type, but it's, it, it's, it's hitting like a four. It's a oh, definite wow. pass. I, I would say three and a half to four. It's it's just not good. I was very bored, um, and, and trying to watch it and just trying to keep up. A lot of shaky cam crap. A lot of stuff. They're just like, okay. It's and funny, yeah, the last three Vin Diesel movies I've heard of, Vin Diesel's been one of the worst parts of them. Yeah, it it was just I was just really disappointed. I mean, they had a chance to do something really cool, um, but it was nowhere near what it was and with it doing so bad uh ratings wise and of course coming out during covid there's probably not going to be very many valiant movies start with that i would have started with exo man of war exo man of war probably would have been pretty good you could have done you could have done torok torok would have been kind of cool but i mean he's kind of weird fit into the valiant universe type thing too but overall it a complete pass. Um, and, and I figured as much when I saw the trailer when it first came out. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. I'm uh, like, well, this is going to be junky as heck. Is it going to be uh, good junky or bad junky? Yeah, and it was just, it's a complete pass for me. Uh, wouldn't even recommend it for anything. Kathy, what do you got? I watched License to Kill. <laughs> More Bond. The other Timothy Dalton James Bond movie because I realized that of all of the James Bond movie, the two Timothy Dalton ones are the only ones that I never saw. And now I'm caught up. Now I am complete. Are you complete? I am totally complete now. I have seen all of the James Bond movies. Uh, I liked it. It just seemed kind of like a extra long episode of Miami Vice without the Jan Hammer move- music. It does. <laughs> But, I like my advice, so I didn't mind that. I mean, you get a little more humor with, uh, uh, what's his name? With Q in it. Yeah, well, he's always, he's always... But you get a little more of him in this than you do in most other Bond Yeah, movies. yeah, well, but he was... Especially because I'm he, pretty sure this was his last or second to last movie. It had to have been his... Was he was he in the first Brosnan. I think he was in the first Pierce Brosnan one. I think he wasn't in the second... Okay. It was sad because, I mean, he was awesome. Desmond, what's his last name? Starts with an L. Uh, I'll find out, don't worry. But, uh, I love that there's Felix in every one of them, it seems like. Yep, yeah, and that's sort of the that's... whole thing. It's very, like, the beginning is fucking hardcore. Yeah. Desmond Llewellyn Hinton says, thank you. Thank you, Hinton. Yeah, Desmond Llewellyn, he's... He was definitely missed when he passed. I mean, John Cleese is a good Q backup. I'm not going to argue with John Cleese, but the original. Well, so it's funny because in this particular, uh, I was going to say episode, like like they're, like they're episodes. I kind of they are. <laughs> um, in this film, he mentions the Q branch, like the Q, you know, 
Like, there's a whole department of, of Q people that are doing, developing, you know, all yeah. these gadgets and everything. So, he it's goes away. It, it, it seems to me like John Cleese is like the next head of, of Q. Well, yeah, it's like the M. It was sort of like management, you know. Yeah. She took over. Um, so, instead of instead of thinking of him as as the actual character, you know, the same Oh, yeah, character. yeah, he's not the character. Just like the new M is not supposed to be the same M. Right. Sort of lets you realize way back when that every James Bond is not the same James Bond. But maybe some of them are meant to be because Felix is supposed to be Felix throughout it. It's, yeah, it's a little weird with Felix. that change of progression with one actor, with one character, and then not with the other. You're like, what is going on? I don't on? know. I grew up on Doctor Who, so yeah. I'm used to it. Ha- hashtag <laughs> below seven's a time lord. It's just an original. <laughs> Sounds good. Apparently, Felix is too. Ah, uh, yeah. Which Why not? totally fits. Sure. Um, His wife was. <laughs> Oh, just, I'm sorry. Oh, that was a tragedy. It was. That beginning part of that movie's hardcore and brutal. You're like, holy shit. Uh-huh. And then it goes, and it's a little more lighthearted through it, but, I mean, the, 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 the Dalton James Bonds were always a little more brutal. Yeah, yeah. They're a little a little uh, on the darker side of James Bond. Oh, Hinton says The World Is Not Enough was his last James Bond movie. Oof. And that was not a good one, unfortunately, but... I'm sure he was good at it because he always was. So, the, yeah, I I would go like a two, two, yeah, I'll go two space serpents. That's fair. I mean, I, not the, I like, not my, I like my, ones. Remember, my favorite best one, but remember that uh, the one you you uh, shared with us that article where they did the uh, who's the best Bond and obviously Connery <laughs> won. Oh yeah, and then. Uh, I forget who was second, but I remember that Timothy Dalton snuck in as third, which I thought it was, was cool. It was Pierce Brosnan, and I'm like, really? I thought Over that was Daniel weird, too. Craig? I don't I, know. I don't like, like I said, so it's one of those things where I like Daniel Craig. I like, I have no problem with him in the Bond movies. I just don't feel like he's a good Bond. He's a good secret, special agent, secret agent type of dude. I just don't feel like he's James Bond. I feel like they're pretty far afield. I mean, and you can blame Austin Powers for taking the shit on him and then just being like, ah, you can't be funny anymore because you ruined it because they really did. They ruined the whole Roger Moore. Even Dalton and and Brosnan were a little funny at points. And they just like, we can't do funny at all. We had to go the other way. Hopefully, when they get the next one, they realize there's a middle ground to be reached. You don't want to go too funny. You can go a little bit of humor. You gotta have some lines though. It's James I Bond. I like the all those cheesy, all that cheesy uh, sexual innuendo. You know, like not good sexual innuendo, but just super cheesy. Yeah, it was. It... Bond, Bond is a period of, is definitely more than most other things a product of its time. Every time one comes out, it's a pro- and I think, I think we need to keep hoping it, it keeps doing that. That way, you can sort of see because the '80s were kind of or '70s or '80s were kind of fun and frivolous. So you get Roger Moore. And then you get Timothy Dalton in the 90s, and Timothy he's a Dalton. little... Was it, was it the 90s? Was it late 80s? Late 80s, early 90s. It, things were getting more serious. It was that sort of, you know, comics were going sort of Iron Age on that yeah. thing. So. Well, this one, like, like, like I said, it was very Miami Vice, and that was a that was a product of its time, and that was like, you know, the drug war. The, the big war on drug was, oh, wow. was huge. It is 89 for License to Kill. Yeah. 
Hey, I was right. Goldeneye and, and Pierce Brosnan sort of had that sort of middle ground. I felt like they had a good middle ground to start, but it just got a little low quality towards there the end. There was quite Brosnan. a span of time in between the Timothy Dalton and when they made the next one, Goldeneye. Oh, well, yeah, because Dalton didn't go over well. I think they people thought the franchise was dead and Goldeneye came out. I was, I remember I was surprised. I was excited. I, I, I saw that in the theater. I did too. I was driving home from help from a from a friend of my cousin's daughter's birthday party. They made it a big party. We all came, gave gifts to her, and all that, and then we all played board games in another room while they were having fun. So there were adults about for the kids to have fun with. And then when I was leaving there on the way home, I stopped at the local mall because it was on the way, and I'm like, "Oh, a James Bond movie? Sure, what the fuck? I'm an adult. I can watch a movie whenever the fuck I want." <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and it was good. Anyways, there you go. Um, I want to talk about one more, and then that'll be, I guess, it, because we're almost done with the podcast. Um, I went down memory lane again after watching Night Tale um, and watched an old Bruce Willis movie from 1991 uh, called Hudson Hawk. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hold on, hold on. on. You best tread carefully here, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I fucking love Hudson Hawk. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I okay. This movie is stupid funny. It has got great lines. It has got great story to the point where it's just stupid funny story. I mean, the singing of the songs, the entire thing of I want a damn cappuccino, and he, you know, style that a lot of movies don't have anymore. It, correct. It, it goes. We're doing this, and it does that the whole way through. Correct. There's not a point they don't and stop. Danny Aiello and Bruce Willis had fucking great screen chemistry together. Oh yeah, when them sing, when they're singing songs and testing out lyrics and you know naming them out, I'm just like, that's what makes this movie so fucking good. It's a great cat burglar movie. Fucking blast doing it. Yeah, it looked like they were all just. It's like, do we really have to get paid to do this? Because this looks like fun as shit. Everyone in that movie does a perfect job of what is expected for that movie. There are no bad performances. Everybody's over the top. Everybody's just like chewing scene. I mean, it's just everyone's chewing scenery. (laughs) Yeah, it is amazingly fun. James Coburn is fucking chewing scenery, and he is great. Yes, I mean Kit Kat, all you know, the candy bar team or whatever. Everybody, I mean, uh, David Caruso in that. Yeah, I mean, there's just. There is so much fun in this movie. It is. Yeah. It, it's another like a guilty pleasure. It's just sit back and just guilty. chill. It's just a pleasure. Uh, yeah, just a pleasure. I guess you could say that. There's just so much fun behind it. I showed this to uh, Creekins, the ex me, and she's like, "This is weird, but it was enjoyable as heck." Yeah. I saw it in the theater. Like this movie got panned. People oh. shit over this movie, and I'm like, I hate to say this because, but sometimes it's true. Y'all just didn't get this movie. No, and the thing is, is it's listed as an action-adventure comedy. And I think probably the reason why is because Bruce Willis was, you know, oh, in... He was off of Die Hard and everything. Yeah. He was fucking top of the world. Yeah, because around that time, of course, he did Moonlighting. And then he did Die Hard 2. So doing this one as a, you know, comedy probably threw a lot of people off. Yeah. But, I mean, the singing... The cat burglary, the characters, the comedy. Yeah, 
the the whole thing of trying to get a cappuccino through the entire thing and the way it starts off it starts off as you know the da vinci and it's like this character storybook type thing where you know this guy's being serious about the story and then of course you know the lines it's just alter fairy tale yeah yeah the dialogue is snappy as fuck for it yeah a little weird points there's a couple moments you're like the fuck but that doesn't detract from the movie no it is super legit i had a lot of fun uh, it, it's, it's just to sit there and just have a good time with it. It's just chill and, and, and laugh at it. If they weren't the third biggest crime family in New Jersey, you'd tell them to kiss your ass. Play to their position, you'd tell them to slurp my buttocks. Yeah. <laughs> just hearing some of the lines. Cause you're just, I mean, and they're just, they're delivered so well, too, because of yeah. facial expressions. No one, no one is phoning in this movie. No one's in the wrong headspace this movie everyone's in the exact right headspace they knew what they were making like it's one of those movies you're like yeah is it the best movie no but is it a masterpiece of what it's trying to do yeah yes. pretty much yeah because you can tell that they had a blast making it because him and Danny Aiello when they're shooting off the rockets oh, from yeah. the grenade launcher cannon gun or whatever and they're just like cracking jokes as they're doing it, and their facial expressions back and forth with each other oh, yeah. was just amazing. Um, I, I I can't give this any space herpes at all, just because it's so fun. It, it, it it's just it, and it's a classic. Not all of you're gonna love it, but it's a zero space herpes for me too. Yeah, it's just so fun. It, everything's delivered perfectly. Everything's happy. Everything's fun. I, I a sequel. I've been like, okay, as long as this, whatever. Just it we was really good. Past, no, but you understand what I'm saying. There's just yeah. so much fun stuff with this. It's also a great self-contained story. You don't need any more to happen. No, you don't. He gets his cappuccino. It's all good. Spoiler. Can yeah. Spoiler movie. This all probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I think it's on. I think I saw it on Stars or whatever. But I'm sure you can find it anywhere. It's a you great. Can find it cheap on DVD on. Amazon or on eBay, fucking buy the DVD. You'll, you will not regret it. Yeah, it's so I funny. Found it on Amazon, the Blu-ray is seven dollars. That's a good price for Blu-ray. I might have to buy a Blu-ray copy. I've only got a DVD copy. It, even if you don't watch it too many times yourself, you will loan it to a friend to go like, you need to see this movie. It's crazy. I love it. Yeah, it, it, it throws it throws caution. It's just like fuck it. We're just gonna go crazy with this stuff. We don't care. Yeah. And it's just it's just good solid fun. So, well, guys, uh, I have more, but we'll save that for next week. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening and watching. It's uh, it's good to have the team back again, even though we've had you know some visitors. Uh, I always miss hanging out with my friends, um, guys. Thanks a lot. Be safe. Take care of each other. Um, wear a mask. Yeah, wear your fucking mask. Wear your mask. Um, be nice. Be kind. For more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Kathy. Good night. Bunny, ball ball. Yeah, just singing the songs. It was just so worth it. Can't wait. Farm. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs>